gosh, I, would, I forgot I even had that in my pack. Yeah, that's exactly the sport, man. I, if Joe flicked my ear, I'd, I'd probably kind of come in the forehead. What's going on, people? We are back from the wilderness, the far back wilderness of Colorado, as far back as you can get. 60 vertical miles <laughs> deep. We're back from mule deer hunting, back in civilization. Yeah. Yep. I'm recuperating. I don't think people, I had a lot of people not get your joke when you came out. Uh, what it was is there was a known, uh, overblown personality that said he had hiked 60 vertical miles in a week or out or a pack out or basically climbed ever seven times, whatever it equals it up being. So it's kind of become an inside joke with the 60 vertical miles thing. So Frank said his pack out was 60 vertical miles. It wasn't actually 60. Oh, they didn't get it. I think there was just a few people that were like, what the hell? He went that far? And it's like mathematics. It was like, I typed it in. Yeah. On it. <laughs> it was text. Yeah. yeah. That's so, funny. Well, yeah, we were back there for uh, several days. So we're going to kind of do a recap. Frank, you want to start it out? Because we came in a couple days early. So. Yeah, we came in a couple days early um, prior to season. We didn't do a ton of scouting this year, but um, we knew kind of where we wanted to hunt. And uh, good buddies of ours were gracious enough to offer to uh, pack us in on horses which i like we which yes <laughs> is nice uh i had i think 10 days worth of food i think you had like 12 to 14 well, I had days 14 but i ate too much so it's it dwindled down there towards the end <laughs> yeah yeah you were carb loading um so yeah it was that was nice because otherwise the packs would have been pretty heavy i probably wouldn't have packed as much stuff but um yeah that was that was pretty awesome except for uh we're not necessarily horse people so um most of the ride in was pretty smooth, except for like the last 50 yards for me. You guys got ahead of, ahead of my horse and uh, my horse felt a little lonely. So he, he went on a full on sprint to get, catch up to you guys. And uh, I ended up riding sideways on that saddle <laughs> for the last <laughs> there. I was holding my bow with one hand and the saddle horn with the other. And they're like, grab the reins. I'm like, yeah, I can't grab the reins. <laughs> so that, that was a, I think they said it was a new saddle or it was a used saddle that they hadn't used very, very much before. And, um, it, no, it, was, it shifted all the way to the right. They were talking about it. It's blown out. Is oh, what okay. it was. Is it's old as shit. They got rid of it after you. Oh, really? KO'd. Yeah, they were telling me when they came back. Yeah, so I'm holding on. I'm riding sideways like a Comanche, <laughs> and uh, I think Jerry called it Cabanche riding or Luke <laughs> Cabanche riding. So I was riding sideways on that thing. It was funny. Um, they're like, "Yeah, grab the reins," but luckily uh, the horse he he slowed down once he got close to you guys. So I didn't quite die, but that would have been a pretty sad first day of of the trip if i uh re rebroke my shoulder riding a fucking horse <laughs> but uh yeah it was good it was it made the it definitely if you have the option it's kind of nice um to use pack animals so you don't have to kill yourself on the way in yeah because i had 74 pounds of shit now i would have packed less food probably and starved <laughs> even more but it did uh it did help out, but we came in the afternoon, two days before season. Two days before season. Um, yeah, we wasn't there wasn't anybody back there yet. We there was one car at the uh, one truck at the uh, trailhead, and I, apparently we passed those guys on the way in. We just didn't see them. They they got off the trail, but saw them later on in the hunt. But uh, yeah, it was nice. Um, strangely enough, there was uh, two pretty gnarly storms that came in that that afternoon and and the the next day. And kind of the morning of, of the opener and that was uh it was kind of foggy kept, for me that kept us too. in the tent for a while <laughs> yeah it 
it literally opening morning, I got up there. I, I laid in bed for a while because I knew how foggy it was. I got up there at eight because I was excited. I couldn't see shit till 10 or couldn't see shit in a 10. I couldn't take it. was cold. Climbed back down to the tent. I built a little fire, got the stove out, climbed back up. I couldn't see shit till 2.30 in the afternoon. Yeah, visibil- visibility was pretty low. So when I uh, set up my tent, um, you know, normally I'll be pretty uh, aware of where I'm setting it as far as where water can accumulate. But um, we got those cots this year, the Helinox Ultralight Cots, which are awesome. For me, it's been kind of a, I hate to say the word game changer because people get sad about it, but it's been a game changer for me. And uh, I set it up pretty close to a, an exposed piece of black rock. That that was where my camp was. And it was just like a, a an exposed hill basically of of uh of rock and the water like slate yeah the water just rolled right off of that and accumulated underneath my tent so i think i sent you a message like a a day before season it was a video and it was like fucking water on both sides of my tent like an inch an inch high (laughs) i'm like i done (laughs) fucked up i was able to fill up my cook pot from my tent from the from the groundwater so it was pretty bad well and it's important like people listening that uh if you have a floorless shelter you have got to pay attention where to set that thing up like where i set my tent up is a bit of a small it's not a bench but a a flat spot so i didn't have any water issues if you had a where you first set your camp up it hasn't rained that much in colorado normally so you don't really think about it it would have been interesting you would have been swimming (laughs) (laughs) well i think to just that that accumulation of, of, of rain is something like you're saying we don't really get. So uh, it, it rained after that a couple of times and it didn't, it, that same thing didn't happen. But that, f- that first big storm, um, it was well, just it so rained much. for 12 hours. I mean, yeah. it never stopped. Yeah. So that first accumulation was pretty gnarly, but, and I ended up moving my tent and a couple of days later, like probably 10 yards maybe. And I didn't have any problems from there, but yeah, that was, a uh, that could have, uh, went downhill pretty quick. Um, in a floorless shelter for sure. Gotcha. So what happened, um, the opening day? Opening day was good. Um, didn't have much visibility. So I went and hit a lower basin and, uh, um, a couple of days before season, when we first got there, I located three deer and I went to go relocate those deer, which, which were still in the basin, but, uh, a really nice, like six by seven non-typical buck was just so happened to be in that basin as well. So I was like shit in my pants. I saw that deer in the spotter or in my binos and I like instantly started shaking. I was, I got too excited. I texted you a picture of him. I was like, dude, I can't believe I've, I've never seen a deer like this. Um, or I haven't seen a deer like this in probably like four or five years. Um, so yeah, that was exciting. It, uh, I watched it for a while and you know, with the storms, the, the prior nights, the, uh, the deer seemed to feed pretty late into the day. He didn't bed down until like, I don't know, I want to say like one o'clock. Two, two o'clock and um you're texting me and you're like are you gonna move in on him I'm like well i think i want to wait until he gets back up and then rebeds we got back up at like i want to say two o'clock uh wait what did i say he bedded down at no i want to say he bedded down at noon got back up at two and he fed for maybe two an extra two hours so usually i feel like that's not very common they'll usually get up you know take a piss maybe eat a little bit and rebed but he he fed for a couple extra hours and I didn't end up getting to move in on him until probably three thirty, four o'clock, which was pushing it as far as the, the wind shifting and uh, got into 75 yards. And 
he was laying behind some of that skunk skunk cabbage and I never got a shot. He, he must have smelt me or heard me and just blew out of his bed and that was the last I saw him. Gotcha. That was your day one? <laughs> that, was, that was my depressing day one. The uh yeah, on on mine I didn't have too much issues with the weather other than I was stuck in a a tent. I will say not being a horse person, uh I probably didn't, you know, flex my abs enough on them, my core on the way in and my lower back was stiffer than the wedding dick. It was bad the first couple of days was yeah. yours. Yeah, I was super sore. Yeah. <laughs> well, and then adding, adding in just glassing all day, you know, yeah. hunched over. Yeah. That's pretty sore. That was about the most uh, trivial problem I had. But uh, day one for me was sucked until, dude, I don't know if I was, it was funny because like 20 meter visibility, maybe like at, at times less, times a little more. And then it started to open up. And then finally, I, I probably at 2.30, it started to open up real well. And I'm like, well, these deer have been jammed up all night. They, they got to be feeding still. So I dropped to a lower glassing point. And it's actually cool. I had six or seven deer feed right under me from that glassing point. And I had, yeah. I had shots at a couple of the, the smaller bucks, like between 28, 32 yards. And then um, I repositioned. I ran back up and went over to this that bald knob that was to the to the right or whatever and i i got right back on top of them and i couldn't get a shot at the the bigger one um which was still not giant by any stretch maybe 150 or something so they actually fed down to the next terrace so i climbed down um to the next uh terrace and moved in on them um you've been in there when we scouted you saw it, but that next terrace i I could see antler tips because that grass was kind of tall and I got to 18 yards of a three by three and I'm like waiting and waiting and waiting and I'm worried about the wind swirling because at that time same with you the wind I'm starting to push the wind probably too much and it was kind of swirly and you could tell like a couple times uh you know before they got out of there they they could they were sniffing something and they finally stood up and they couldn't tell what direction it was coming from because the wind was so swirly and the one buck I was wanting to shoot was I think he was 32 or 34. Uh, fucker stood up and had a branch right in front of him. Like I couldn't, I might've been able to hit him in the head. And the other bucks that were closer were dumber than hell. One, they were young. They were three years old. And, and the wind, you know, it's funny when the wind swirls, they don't know which way to run. Yeah. And they went one way and then ran right back to me. And then they went another way. They just couldn't tell which way to go. <laughs> and then they just walked off down the hill. So I climbed out of the the whole and I, and I was happy I had some opportunities. I mean, um, I wasn't happy about climbing out of that fucking hole. That's like twelve hundred feet. Um, <laughs> yeah. And I got back to to camp, and that was pretty much the end of day day one. There wasn't anything uh, too too crazy. Day two was my exciting day. But go ahead, day two was when I fucking almost died in the cliffs. But go ahead, Frank. Day oh, two. Uh, well, I want to bring it back a couple of days to. Uh, I, think I think it was day before the opener. You know, we we saw a. Uh, a vehicle on the on the trailhead on the way in and um we weren't quite, quite sure where those guys were going to hunt well um ended up being uh three guys that um were kind of new to the area i ended up talking to him later in in the week and um i just so happened to be glassing i think it was the day before season and um they were hunting a couple back basins that i'll usually make my way over to um later in the week and uh it happened to to walk a ridge where we typically see a lot of a lot of deer and it's it's like perfect mule deer habitat there's big boulders it's terraced um a lot of 
shade from those jack pines and there's like a, a really nice basin in there where they a lot, typically we'll see at least one or two nice bucks in there and uh those guys happened to walk that entire ridge <laughs> the day before the opener and i i'd posted it on my story i'm like oh my god i can't believe they're doing this this is the equivalent of walking through a bar with super hot chicks farting the whole fucking <laughs> crop way dusting. through where everybody can hear you yes yeah, so i think there's a fair bit of crop dusting down on the ridge <laughs> i i uh i watched probably i don't know anywhere from 10 to 20 bucks um probably 20 deer total um that came off that entire ridge uh that never ended up working their way back so that kind of put a a damper on what my plans were because typically what i'll do is i'll hunt some basins closer to camp in the first first days just depending on what i see and then if if um if it doesn't work out my my tactic usually is is to be to be mobile so i'll usually hunt these these certain basins and then if it doesn't work out i'll grab probably two three days of uh of gear and then hit these back basins well that put a little bit of damper on my plans so i didn't have that option so uh you know after the first couple days i was hunting that that big buck well he never came back the second day there was still those those smaller bucks in the basin one of which was like a nice wide buck but had pretty weak forks and uh yeah my day two was mainly just um trying to relocate that big buck cardio which which never happened yeah a lot of (laughs) a lot of hiking done um a lot of climbing checking into other basins you know getting different perspectives and basins and just wasn't wasn't fun kind of what i wanted wanted to shoot um so my day two was was pretty pretty slow um and yeah and, and bringing up those guys i wasn't really talking shit on on their tactics but they were kind of new to the area I, I ended up talking to them on day three before i went and met up with you um and they just told me that you know they were new to the spot and they found it on on onyx yeah and uh and i kind of just talked to them i was like yeah um you know there's a lot of deer that hang out on that ridge so you don't necessarily want to ridge run that that spot um and they were cool they're super cool dudes they're just uh you know, every everyday guys that were getting after it. One of them was a Kafaro customer, and um, you know, we talked to him. They had some chances in those back basins, but I don't think they were able to connect on one of the bigger bucks they were after. So, good dudes, um, just kind of have to be cognizant of of where you're you're traveling, and you don't necessarily want to run the tops of ridges, especially no. uh, during you know when it was early in the morning and the the, the wind was blowing down still and. Dude, the, blew all the deer out. Fast forwarding to to the last day, so day eleven, but I think day ten hunting, the muzzleloaders that had come in, the one I don't even know if he had binoculars, he blew every deer out within <laughs> yeah. fucking three miles. Like he walked, like I get it, maybe with the muzzleloader he's gonna jump shoot him, but it was fucking deer, pretty smart, yeah. right? So he literally walked every spot deer were, but by the time we watched, I mean they were gone five minutes before he got yeah. there. I was like, yeah. fuck. I mean, there wasn't a deer left, but, um, day two for me, that's when I, I think I called you and said, Hey, you, you might want to think about, um, you might want to think about, uh, getting over here. I think it was that day two. Yeah, it was day two. Yeah. I was like, dude, there's some fucking deer over here that I, I don't think I'm going to be able to kill just because of where they're bad. They're pretty smart. I was like, you might want to come over here and drop a, a, a bomb. And I was watching, um, uh, one group of bucks that split into two and the buck you killed went into the cliffs um up high which i'm certain uh amy yelled at me i'm gonna fucking die in cliffs like it won't be <laughs> yeah. i mean it's that, pretty possible that's where uh, so that deer i shot was 57 degree angle uh so it was 15 or 16 yards shot but it was 30 something gosh um when i 
So with two people, it would have been easier just obviously flag you in. So I'm climbing up and down these fucking cliffs trying to figure out where these deer are. And from down below, it looked real easy to find. But then you get up above them. And finally, I see legs sticking out from like maybe 80 yards down. And I'm like, oh, okay. So I get up there and you know how I, I don't have the patience you have. I'm, I'm above them for an hour and a half. And I'm like, fuck, I can, I'm going to climb down. Climb down, climb down. And I get... I can, I can, I'm above the buck that one you killed. And I'm like, oh shit. Like I could, if I fell off, I'd kill the fucker, right? Like I would have <laughs> yeah. landed on top of it. So now, uh, I, I'm trying to figure out how the, how the fuck I'm going to draw my bow. Um, so basically I used my cock and balls as my clicker, right? I tried to draw under my <laughs> arm normally and it, it got, and it was hit my body. I tried to draw out in front of myself and I couldn't get the right position. So I'm like, okay. So I spread my, Legs, and this deer's dumb as shit below me. I don't think anybody probably ever shot at him from up there. So I literally drew to the point where my string touched my my twig and berries and let her rip and went two inches over his back. He didn't know what was going on. He stood up, and he ran out for like 50 yards and just stood there. He didn't even, wasn't even looking up. He was just looking around. Well, his little three-point buddy stood where he was for like two minutes, and I'm like, why couldn't you be up? 200 inch deer standing there (laughs) you know what i mean so uh at this point now i know where to aim but i i'm contemplating do i shoot this three point which wasn't a great three point or do i uh, take a shot at 50 at this other one well there's pretty good gusts of wind and i'm like man 50 even in perfect conditions isn't great and i don't want to and he was pretty tuned up and i'm like i'm gonna fucking shoot him in the leg or this isn't good so um they got out of there and when i came when I was up there, there was deer on the dance floor on that big plateau. So I hooked all the way down and around and I got, um, in this, uh, by no means am I complaining. I've chosen the weapon that, that I'm using, but distance is a problem, right? right? And so I go to where you killed that buck. And of course I've got the three little, remember that, you know, that little salad fork, forky, yeah. the red one. Yeah. He's dumber and shit at like 14 yards in front of me, no idea. And then I had another three point and then a, a, a small four by three. And then that one real big one that we had seen, I had photos of. All I could see was the antler tips of that one. And by the time that was at 430 probably. And by that time, I'm like, you know, the wind's a little bit goofy. So I'm like, there's no way in hell I can get one past these other deer or two even hit the fucker. He was at 80 yards down in that hole. So that's when I climbed back to camp. I did not fucking realize how shitty that climb out to the glassing point is. <laughs> yeah. uh, it didn't look that bad, but climbing up, I was like, holy cow. And then I went down to camp and I glassed towards you. And I think that's when I said, hey, dude, there's there's bucks um, on this one hillside. There was two good ones, which we never ended up, I don't think saw those again. Um, but did you come over day three or four? Day three. So I, I think you texted me on day two and said you should come over here. And I said, I'd give it one more morning, see if I could relocate that, that nice buck that I found. And next morning got up, um, did a bunch of glassing, kind of went, checked a couple basins and, uh, just wasn't able to relocate him. I was able to relocate all the other deer, but, um, I don't, I almost want to say maybe that buck was living on that, that ridge that those guys, uh, walked and it might've just kind of popped into that lower basin. Um, so it was, I don't think it was living in there, so it didn't really have a reason to maybe necessarily come back. And plus it wasn't a really, it, that basin kind of looked big on, 
you know, on the videos that I took, but it's only like 300 yards wide. It was pretty small. So I don't know if he necessarily had a reason to come back and he, he dumped into some timber and never made his way back. So that, that, uh, that afternoon I went back to, to camp and, um, just so ha happened to run into those three guys from, um, from up the Canyon there and, and talk to him a bit and just let him know that I was going to pack up and, uh, and head over to you. So that's what I did. Packed up all my gear, um, had seven, eight days left of food and, uh, bow and optics and crap. And I was only three miles from, from where you were, but I want to say that that hike took me two and a half hours. <laughs> it was, it was a little gnarly. The first half's easy, but you got to come out of this big gorge and gain a bunch of, of, uh, of altitude. And man, that was a, a bit of a gnarly, a gnarly hike. So that was my day three, not a, not a ton of action, just kind of like I've said, it, it's worked for me in the past a lot is just being willing to be, to be mobile. So, um, you don't have to be married to, to one spot. You can, um, if you're not having good luck, I definitely have the capability to be mobile. Otherwise you're stuck hunting the same spot and you're not seeing anything new. So that's, that's always worked out for me. And you, you offered me to come over there and you said you had some, some deer that you spotted that might be better for a compound shot. So that's what I did on day three. What, one thing I want to make sure, just because I got a bunch of messages, um, keep in mind the deer that I, um, I am not the world's greatest trophy hunter by any stretch of the imagination or, or definition, but I get to, to hunt a lot. And so, when, when, you know, shooting a deer for the sake of shooting it for the greater good of Instagram just wasn't something I really wanted to do back uh, there. The, the numbers for deer are down in Colorado. Um, but by no means, if you're on a hunt and you're you shoot, what makes you happy? I'm not, I, I'm by no means, no means saying don't shoot three points or don't whatever. It's just, since I get to hunt quite a bit and I get to take uh, a lot of, uh, different, you know, depredation, doe tags and things like that. Um, I try to shoot something, you know, four years old. The, the problem with that is, especially if you have a lot of hunters encroaching on you, um, especially ones that can shoot really far you know, you're, you're, you're at a, a bit of a constraint. So I'd kind of made fun of myself saying, I'm going to have to lower my standards or become a better, you know, hunter, because just getting in on some of those bigger bucks, uh, especially when I've had arrows winging at them at 80, 90 yards, they get pretty smart about where they, where they bed. Um, and so you shoot what makes you happy by no means. Am I a trophy hunter? It's just in that spot. I, I, you know, try to always shoot four year old deer if I can. Um, and, and that's kind of my goal, I guess. So on day three for me, which is the day that you came over, I actually hit a, a buck that I thought for sure we would find. Um, I dropped down and I sent you photos of them below me. There was um, kind of an older gnarly three by five, um, bunch of little kind of shit bucks. And then there was a good four by four. Anyway, I was pinned down and I had texted you and I think I texted you, wish you were here, LOL. Cause I was 54 yards above them for 15 fucking 20. I was freezing my balls off. There's no sun on that side of the mountain. Yeah. They shifted, right? Finally, the last, there was some does in there. The last doe got out of the way. And I, you know, what is that? 50 degree slope back there? 45? It's I, steep. Yeah. I had to go up and around this shale field cause it's so loud. So I went way up above it, cut left and to try to get in front of them. And normally on those steep shots, I take my harness off. Um, just because it's, it's in the way on the steeper angled shot. So anyway, I got up in front of them, and I probably had 15 to 30 seconds ahead of time when I got set up, and they fed below me, and it was a 30-yard shot. Um, but I, I 
like clipped a shit out of my bino harness pocket or or clip or whatever on my left side and i didn't even think i was going to hit it and i clipped it in the in the ass and i thought um i i thought we'd find it and i gave it four hours before i went down and even looked and i got on some blood um a little bit you know and then i, I basically just glassed it because i didn't want to blow it out i only went a little ways down following it and thought, okay, I'll give it time. And uh, I never found that fucking deer. Um, and I, what it looked like is those other deer were pushing it, getting it out of its bed because I found a couple beds, which, you know, shitty, shitty deal. Obviously, the deer, I thought it would die. And if it did, we couldn't we couldn't find it. Um, and and I, I looked all over in that hole. And then we actually went over, look, just listening for birds the next four or five days. Every day I went over there and I never even heard any fucking birds on that side, which is strange. So... You know, things happen real quick in the cliffs, and maybe I didn't hit it where I had thought I did. Um, you know, who, who knows? But that was um, a, a heartbreaker. That was a real good buck. And I, I climbed out of that hole, and I think I got back to my camp, fuck, five minutes before you got there, around, what, 4.30, I guess. Maybe. Yeah, pretty late in the afternoon. Yeah. But um, yeah, it's good that you mentioned that. It's just one of the realities of hunting in general. I think uh, there's a lot of shit talking that goes on on social media especially between gun hunters and bow hunters and yeah um i think it happens to it happens to both to any of them um gun rifle uh gun muzzleloader or uh or archery hunting it's just something that if you've been hunting long enough it'll you'll definitely lose an animal or two and it's it sucks and it's not what you want to happen but it's definitely something that happens but yeah um, and you know i'm pretty lucky in the sense of i i'm usually pretty good i i don't you know wound a lot of stuff and a lot of times you know when i um uh make a bad shot it's a miss so i mean it it happens but in this case you know the harness um i i just 50 degree angles are shots that i just don't take very often and and that's something where i'm gonna have to go to a bungee uh type of harness or just take the harness off because i just can't make that shot with with a stick yeah uh without it hitting that and i, I screwed around i fired a couple of judo tips off those cliffs and you're you're so contorted to get it away from your body at a 50 degree angle you know 45 degree angle it it it, it kind of throws you off so we were talking about i might go back to that rick young bungee for some of these hunts just to help get it out of the way the other thing that's nice about that is i can turn it into a sling and just keep it on my right side you know mm -hmm. if you wanted to take it off from wearing it as a yoke to just wearing it as a sling over one shoulder uh, which you know which that that is feasible i mean that that's that's a possibility so i yeah i hiked up and out and then we met at camp about 4 30 i guess five um you know and at that time physically i was feeling good it's just um you know you are i'm eating far more than i thought i would we bought 3200 calories and i was probably eating four so i was eating into my long-term food <laughs> yeah. which ended up biting me because i didn't have food for a couple of days there towards the end <laughs> yeah. but, um but yeah, we, I was, I don't know how far back that is, but I mean, some of those days were probably five miles from camp circling around. But. Yeah. So I think I got to camp that afternoon and I, ate, I ended up eating two dinners. Oh, you and shit that fucked me up. <laughs> I don't know. I don't think I was a, I don't think I was, I was used to eating that much at one, one time. And I don't think you're really meant to eat two dehydrated meals, um, all in one sitting. So yeah, there was a lot of shatting going on and i had a pretty bad stomach ache for a while there but um yeah next day that was when the uh action started for me really um that that evening we 
we could glass from camp and we kind of saw that group of bucks that you'd been watching and they were they were up in a patch of upper um willows at the top of this peak kind of and um we knew that's where we were gonna glass the next morning we got up early and went and glassed and they ended up actually moving to the to the bottom of the basin overnight and they worked their way up kind of to a similar area and that's when you were like well man i we, we watched them move into some thick willows and you told me to move in you weren't quite sure if you'd be able to get into uh to recurve distance so that was cool i was able to um work my way around the back side of that peak and then i got up above them um and that's where i sat there for probably five hours uh without food or water that's why I, I now have skin cancer so <laughs> yeah. does frank um go into that a little bit more so that is probably a mile or more from where i was maybe a mile yeah so with the uh in order to get over there we we decided it was best to go around the back side of this peak um you could of course go around the front but i think there was a there was a fair amount of, of willows and, and bedding areas for um there was a, quite a few does in the area as well so we didn't want to, to blow them out so go around the back side of this peak pretty steep you, on the uh, furthest end of the peak there's like a big shale field and um scree and it's pretty steep so you got to go go back there and then uh you pop over and you're right on top of them in these willows so um yep i basically just took uh you just told me to take my my lid so i took my guide lid with a rain jacket uh bottle of water and some snacks and i dropped that probably 150 100 yards or so um on the other side of the top of the ridge there and um, dropped my boots and before I did that I took one big swig of water and moved in and I didn't think it was going to be sitting there for that long but for whatever reason those deer they either got up to move into their second bed or got up to take a, a you know take a piss and uh, laid right back down and they didn't end up getting up for again for quite a while so I've was, never seen a deer bed that long enough seven and a half hours yeah they, they were didn't get up they were in the same spot for for a while and i the, those willows were so thick i kind of moved into a spot where they were they were definitely going to travel through and i'd maybe get a shot but um yeah i sat i sat there for a while and cool thing was i mean i sat there for probably an hour or two and they were it was three bucks um there was that i believe it was the one buck that omni ended up killing uh the five pointer that i ended up killing the next day and then um a smaller buck and then a doe so I'm sitting there for probably an hour or so and then uh, I see a, a, an ear flicker through the through the brush and it was that doe. It was a really red colored doe. And um, there ended up being some hikers in the area that were super loud and I think it, it got her up and she she walked out right in front of me at like 50 yards, fed a little bit and then those hikers got really loud and they were yelling. Um, she kind of got alert and she moved on. So from then on, I'm like holding my bow, like ready to go and then uh, that you know, I was waiting there for like whatever, whatever it was from then on. So another, you were there six hours total, weren't you? Seven, something like that. Yeah, it was a long time. I got bored. And I was the, sitting behind the spotter. Yeah, so I mean, I sat there. I, I wasn't uncomfortable or anything. I had uh, that little uh, Cryptek ghillie suit that I altered. Yeah, I kind of cut it into a crop top and cut the sleeves off, and I had the hood on, so I wasn't like overheating in the sun. I had like pretty good shade there, and. uh Man, I, I sat there forever and I'm like wondering if the deer is still there. I'm I, We didn't have cell service or anything like that. We had our inreaches and I hadn't gotten any message, messages from you that they'd moved on, but it ended up getting to about four o'clock and then the winds um, the wind started getting a little bit inconsistent. Let me get my version of this. Okay. <laughs> it fucking sucked for me because uh, when I say for me, more for Frank, but I'm watching and 
now, when Frank came down in there, you had an arrow knocked, and you had an arrow knocked pretty much the whole time. So I assumed you could probably uh, see the deer or were confident they were there. Now, you know, I'm behind, this is six, seven hours of me sitting in the spotter and you sitting in the same spot. I called Amy a few times and I'm like, these deer got to get up. He's, he's going to get one. I said, they, they, it, anywhere they stand up from where I saw him go in, he's got to be between 40 and 80. So, Frank, you get up. Now, keep in mind, sending shit on an inReach is like smoke signals. It does not go through fast. So, mm-hmm. Frank gets up, he goes up and over and I lose you. And I don't think 60 seconds went by and that motherfucker fed right in front of where you were, <laughs> 35 yards. Well, that's what I was going to say. I was wearing that. So I had that little ghillie suit on and it's got like pieces of yarn and, and light pieces of fabric and they were, they're blowing left and right in front of my face. So they blow, it would blow, the fabric would blow left and then it would blow right. And I'm like, oh dude, this wind is going to shift. And if these deer are in here, I don't want to blow them out. Um, so I, I had dropped my harness with my gear. So I did, that's where I have my wind, wind indicator. I forgot to grab it. So I wasn't quite sure what the wind was, was doing. So I was like trying to like peel these little fuzzies off of my sock. I could see you doing that. So I'm like You're peeling them off of my sock. I'm like trying to throw it up <laughs> in the air. I, would, I was trying to like get some, some dust from the ground and like make it super fine. So it would like, I could get an idea of what the, the wind was doing, but it was doing the same thing that my ghillie suit was doing. It was blowing left and it was blowing right. So like, dude, any, at any moment here, the, the wind's going to shift and it's going to start blowing down. So at, um, I think it was about 4.30. I was going to stay till 4.45, and I was like, ah, man, I better not, and I backed out. And then uh, that's when um, I get back to my gear. I'm, I just tied my shoes and put them on, and I think you texted me or called me, and you're like, dude, you, you will not believe this, but the fucking deer are right where you just were. And uh, looking, 35 yards in front of where you were. Yeah, looking at, at what you the next day, looking at the tree that was in front of me, I think that – one tree was 18 yards and the other one was 35 and I think he walked right through there. Yep. And that was the the big four-pointer. Yeah. So you're like... Which you could have killed. Well, I guess we finished telling the story. Yeah, I could have killed it that evening actually. So um, you're like, hurry your ass up, go around this this knob and uh, you'll be right the on top of them. black titty knob. We called, it the, we called it the black... It looked like a nipple. Um, so I take my boots off and I go around this knob. Well, dude, it's fu- it's so steep. I didn't even go three days later. I didn't go around that fucker in my boots. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's probably one of the dumber things I've done because underneath it, there was like a big ass cliff, cliff and just yeah. scree. And uh, I'm in my socks trying to go around this thing. And somehow I make it without fucking myself up or dying. And uh, I first pop around it and you didn't see me. Um, I popped around it and I got above. Well, okay. So let me preface this with. There's the buck I killed in there, and it was a five point, a five by five. It had an inline point, symmetrical five by five, symmetrical five often. by five. And we we'd watched him that morning. We're like, dude, that's the one we want to kill. And uh, he was he ended up being with a bigger four pointer, which I believe Omni killed, and it was a really nice buck. Well, I, I popped over, and I was right on top of that that four pointer at about forty yards, and I could see the the five point, but he was in the willows. And I could just see his antlers, and he was at like seventy four. So I'm like, shit. So I backed out again. And I tried to like sprint up the ridge and then I re-popped out. Well, through probably my hard breathing, that four-pointer heard me. And that's when you filmed it of me walking in and that four-pointer was already looking up. And uh, he blew out of there and they all blew out and crushed my dreams. And uh, yeah, that's uh, that's the only time I ever regret pulling out. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. That, um, yeah, that day, so that was day four. Uh, that was the only day I didn't really have any action because I was was sitting by in the spotter watching Mm. 
you, which I think I texted you, this is better than watching porn or some smart ass comedy because it, <laughs> it is intense watching. I mean, it was shitty for six hours. And then when that deer popped up and then when he was feeding up and you looped around, I'm like, oh shit, he's going to shoot one. And I had assumed you had a good shot at that, that four by four just because. Which I did. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he was whatever, 40 yards feeding. He, the first time I popped over, he never even saw me or heard me. And, uh, I mean, maybe it was, I was a little sneaky and that extra little ghillie suit stuff might've helped out as well. I would think it does. Cause it's hard to find you in the spotter. I can tell you that with that ghillie suit on, but yeah. it's um, kind of goofy looking, but it works. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a, I'm a fan, but, um, that was pretty much it for day four. That was it. Yep. That was right in the evening there. And, uh, definitely had a really long, good walk of shame where I was just like kicking myself in the ass for, for backing out. I, I definitely, um, I don't know if it was a good decision or bad decision. Obviously, it ended up being a bad decision because they walked right past me. But if me, you would have blown them out, yeah, then that's who knows what would have happened the next yeah. day. Um, <clears throat> so, yeah, they basically that buck, I guess, heard me. I don't know if he necessarily saw me. The whole crew rolled out to the end of the basin and uh, next morning, glassing them up. And uh, they were all under, they were at the furthest basin we could see in that ridge. And they were all underneath a bunch of cliffs. so Which sucks, Dick, because it's a long ways to get to them. It was far. So um, I ended up watching them that next morning, day five, and you had moved to the back of the peak to check out um, a, another glassing area. And they just so happened to be in those cliffs. And I like I texted you or I called you or something. And I was like, dude, I think if you like really haul ass over there with a stick bow, you, you'd be right on top of them in those cliffs. And uh, you ended up popping up back where I was the, the night before around that nipple and um, just so happened there was a, a like a fucking monster buck back there that was on the back side of the peak that kind of intercepted you and um, had you pinned down for a while. I Yeah, I was moving on that plateau um, and I don't know what's that, probably what, 12-8 maybe, 12? Yeah, it's up there. It's, up, it's high um, and I'm, I'm trying to figure out like, okay, do I have time to, to get there? And I'm 134 yards, and I see this massive rack and this three-point silhouette over the. And I'm like, Frank told me he couldn't see him. What the hell? Well, that was a fluke buck that we never seen before and never saw again. Yeah. Um, and I don't know what it scored. I just it was just a giant, you know, rack. And so I called, and you were like, you asked, no, no, you texted, what's the wind doing? They 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 blew out, and I'm like dude, I just saw a giant deer. I don't know what the hell's going on. And he's like, that's not the same. So that deer did went up and over the top. The three point blew the other deer out that we had originally saw, mm -hmm. I think blew him down. And so I make this insanely long loop behind the farthest point you can go coming up and over the top. Cause that's what you had said, man, you may find him in there. I seen every other animal known to man, a spike ran by me. And you were like, I found that sneaky fucker, that five by five hung out while the rest of them blew out. Kind of explain that, what happened there. Yeah, so they, those, that five, that group of five deer from the night before, they're in that back basin. And um, when the other two separate deer Aaron's talking about, they, they blew out, those five deer ran across the back of that basin. And I thought they had all wrapped around the back and, and moved into a, to the back of the peak. They're out of sight. And, I just kept glassing and I just so happened to see that five pointer. He dropped into a, a lower patch of willows by himself. So he took a separate escape route from his buddies and he hung out in that patch of willows. And I just so happened to be glassing um, probably 45 minutes, an hour later. And he snuck out of those willows and moved into a strip of pines. 
So little son of a bitch. Yeah, sneaky little bastard, all by himself. <laughs> and uh, and Aaron's at the end of the basin. So we uh, we talked a bit and kind of devised a plan. And I kind of told, described where he was. And uh, Aaron moved in. And the craziest part about all that is there was a spike elk in there, and there was I think five does that all ended up running right past that that buck but he stuck in there tight and never ended up running out of there and you moved in pretty close to him didn't you 18 yards when i was coming down so now at this point where frank's glassing me is let's say 300 yards closer to you than where i am i'm about as far back as you can go you sent me a picture and uh, kind of an idea of where this this deer was and it i'm looking you know turning around looking at your i'm like shit this is I'm here, you know, like this won't be bad. So I, the three does came off, I think the left side of that draw and ran through. And when I was making my approach down, there was, I think three does you said that blew through and he didn't move. Now at this point in time, I have no communication with Frank to speak of because it's in reach to in reach and that's literally like smoke signal. So the one thing that actually happened was I had those stupid stocking socks and I had a full-on old man in the icy parking lot, both feet straight up in the air, <laughs> and like <laughs> <laughs> trying to catch my breath. Yeah. And I was like, I wonder if Frank saw that. That was embarrassing, Jesus. And so I, I get up, I catch my breath. I'm coming down, and I'm like, God, I'm, I'm right here. And that spike, I'm like 15 yards from the spike. And it, it blows out, and I'm like, fuck, damn it. And the deer didn't blow out. So I'm looking, and that spike in that buck couldn't have been more than 15 yards apart or something. They were close. And so when he uh, blew out, I could see that buck ended up finally standing up um, at some point. But it was 18, 17 yards from me. I took, like, literally one step left to get a shot. He erupted out of there. I had the walk of shame back, and you had glassed where he went. Yeah, and I watched him the whole way, and uh, you know he he ran pretty quick at first, but yeah, you know, for whatever reason, that buck must have been very comfortable in that that area, and uh, apparently knew it very well. So he kind of just trotted his way down and worked his way around into uh, there was kind of a plateau below some cliffs, and there was some heavy willows in there with a few strips of pines, and um, I couldn't see into there, but I, I never saw him come out of there, so. Aaron had the walk of shame for quite a while and ended up getting back to the glassing point. I'm like, dude, that buck never, that never he never but came out of there. On the way back, I got the text from another group of people we know that were coming in. And the one thing, these guys are very nice, but as far as, oh, you've been here seven days, you guys kind of have rain. That's not how it works with these guys. <laughs> they just, they'll come in, they don't give a shit. They're going to kill what they want to kill and hunt what they want to hunt within reason. And, and nice dudes. But I literally got back. I said, Frank, you better get in there and kill that fucker because it's about to get crazy. We've got guys coming in. And it's it's not um, when you're dealing with public land that, you know, you, um, some people would say if we had been in there seven, eight, nine days that there's a, an ethical boundary that, you know, we kind of have the run of the land, which – uh, in the case, well, he went in and shot that buck and we had seen it the day before and he had said he didn't want to shoot it. And then the next thing you know, he's going off and, and kills that deer where, you know, we had been in there, but it's public land. They spotted it. So I, I knew that, you know, obviously that was after Frank left. I knew with them coming in, it was, I even texted him back and I said, this is going to be a problem. 
we've only got one or two good deer in here and Frank and I are trying to kill them. So Frank went in there uh, to go after that, that buck, which was smart because I, I knew there was pressure coming. And so what happened? Yeah. So I thought, you know, I, I, um, whenever you go into this situation, like pre, like when you went after that buck earlier before I went in, um, it's always hard. I, I call it blind stalking because you know they're, the buck is in there, but you're going in blind. You don't know where it's at. So, um, yeah, we talked about it and we're like, well, we kind of think we know where it's at, but um, these kind of stocks, you know, they're usually pretty low odds just because um, you're kind of walking in blind and you could walk right past them and they'll see you or hear you coming. And I have. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's happened a lot. So I've never, I haven't really had a, a ton of, of good luck on these types of stocks, but um, we knew there was going to be more hunting pressure coming in, like Aaron said, and uh, <clears throat> knew we had to make a move. So uh, basically it's a, a big plateau with a bunch of willows on the slopes and there were a couple of dry creek beds where there were strips of pines. So um, I moved over there. I took my, my pack off, or the guide laid off, my harness off, my boots off pretty far back before I got to those willows and the strips of pines just because I didn't know how close I would end up to the deer and uh, ended up probably taking that stuff off a little too early. But basically what I did is I kind of worked around the uh, the edge of, of the plateau and kind of moved real slow and did a lot of glassing. Well, I, I got to the, a strip of pines uh, I, I passed up the first strip of pines and moved into the second one because I didn't think the buck would be laying in that first strip. Well, um, I got in there and I, I messaged Aaron on the inReach. I'm like, have you seen anything run out? And he said no. And uh, right about as I did that, I lost my balance and I I stepped back and stepped on a huge patch of dry dry branches and just crack. And then right after that, my my arrow got snagged on a uh, on a, another branch and then it went boing. I'm like, dude, if this buck is still in here, I'm the luckiest bastard ever. So I, I back out a little bit and uh, I, I went, I decided to go back to that first uh, strip of pines and that, that buck was laying probably a hundred yards from where I was just a uh, hundred, 115 yards from where I just was um, and made all that racket. And he apparently either didn't care or didn't hear it. And um, I texted you and I said, I found him. You said target acquired. <laughs> Made yeah. me feel tactical. Yeah. So I found him. I ended up, uh, I, had to, I had to back out to the top of the plateau, and you probably were wondering what the hell I was doing. I was walking back and forth because I couldn't find a way into those willows without making a shitload of noise. And um, I ended up moving into 72 yards right on the edge of that creek bed, and I could see his rack, and he was laying right in front of a fucking pine tree. And um, I'm standing next to this dead tree, and there's a bunch of dead branches on the ground. I'm, like, trying to figure out how I can move any closer to get a shot. I take one step, step on a little tiny twig and he hears it and stands up and looks up while I'm wearing that little ghillie suit. He looks right through me, doesn't see me, takes one step and looks straight on. And I figure that's my shot and I take it. And, uh, I don't want to have the excuse of, of the standard bow hunter that I hit a branch, but I feel like there was some deflection in there and I ended up shooting him and hitting him and ended up hitting him back. And, uh, he didn't, you know, he didn't run out of there, didn't explode out of there. So I knew I hit him. And then, um, you messaged me on the inReach and you're like, I see him. Did you hit him or something like that? And then I saw him walk out from the, from across the little, uh, Creek that was down below. He was just standing there and, um, he was definitely hit. Okay. So from my version, 
I didn't see Frank shoot because I was watching more towards the deer. And um, Frank's shot was, was lethal, but the deer, it was a, kind of a stomach, liver, lung shot. And so he was, he walked out of the bottom. Like, and I'm like, what in the fuck is he walking? I'm like, what, did Frank give him a pass? Like, what the hell is going on? Well, then I look and I'm like, oh, he's hit. Well, then there's everything hanging out of him, known, known to man. Like, literally, like, that broadhead did some serious damage. Yep, shot him with an iron will. He uh, ended up getting zipped open in the belly area. Um, definitely a lethal hit. And basically, we watched him. He, he worked his way around this small knob. He probably only went, I would say, about 150 yards and bedded down his, at his first opportunity in some shade, right on the edge of some trees. And uh, we messaged back and forth, and we just decided, um, you know, you definitely you want a, a clean ethical kill and to kill him as soon as possible. But where he went was right probably a few hundred yards from some cliffs. So we decided we have two options here. We could either I could either move in and try to shoot him right away at, at the risk of him getting into those cliffs and us never finding him, or backing out for a couple of hours, give him some time to to die. That's and that's what we did. We backed out. For probably I don't know two three and hours. For the most part, the the saying "when in doubt, not pull out." Don't do that. <laughs> but back out. In fact, I had a couple people message me because I said I pulled out. Yeah, they said, yeah. "What the hell?" Is chicks out? too. They're oh. like, "What?" <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> anyway, so I uh, I was like, "Man, I, you know, I think we just basically were back and forth." I'm like, "Man, I don't know. Maybe just let him hold up." And you were like, "Yep, I think that's the best idea. I might circle around." So anyway, you climbed out of that same shithole I'd had to climb out of a couple of times, and we waited a couple of hours, and you went down. He's basically dead when you when you got yeah, there. Yeah, so I, I I backed out, met you guys, met you back up the glassing spot, and uh, our friends um, had made it to the same spot you were, and I I showed up, and I'm like, holy shit, you guys brought the whole Mormon Brotherhood. It was uh, it was um our our buddies and their kids, so it was, it was four people total. I'm like, holy shit, so. Yep, we ended up hanging out for a bit. I went back to camp um, and dropped off all my extra gear that I had with me and uh, grabbed some some water and some food and came back and um, worked my way in. So that buck ended up, he ended up, I guess uh, in the meantime, he ended up standing up and moving about 10 yards further into the tree line there. And when I got in there, he was um, kind of on his last leg. It was... Uh, I would consider it to be unconscious because I walked up to it about six yards and it, it didn't move, but it still had a couple, it was taking some very shallow breaths. So I put another arrow into it and that was it. Ended up messaging Aaron um, that it was down and we, uh, our buddies were gracious enough to bring in a couple llamas and we packed them back out back to camp, which was awesome. I was all about the llama life there. <laughs> yeah. Damn. But that, um, mm -hmm. that deer, so we got back fairly, fairly early, um, and I'm trying to think. So the next, what the hell? You got out of there two days later. I left on day ten, uh, so three days later. Yeah. Three, yeah. So I'm trying to think what happened the next day. Um, next couple of days we ended up. I think possibly the next day is uh, when two of the smaller bucks that we were watching moved up onto the plateau, maybe, and then. Um, we, oh, that we was found a horrible that, day. Yeah, we found the uh, we found the uh, the bucks again. That same group of bucks, um, obviously without the one that I killed, and they were down below. And I'm trying to you'd move to the back of the peak. And so you I'm found trying, another big one, right? So I'm like trying to watch 
these two different groups of bucks and I, I had the last I saw these bucks, they moved below us into a, a small patch of pines and I figured, oh shit, they're going to bed down right there. I'm going to stop watching them. I'm going to watch these upper bucks. You came back around and uh, later in the morning, you end up going after the upper bucks and it didn't work out. And then the lower- I'll just tell that story because I totally yeah. fucked that up. <laughs> well, I was just going to say the lower bucks. I'm like, yeah, dude, they're in this patch of pines. There's no way they were there aren't there. And uh, you sat on this on this patch of pines probably as long as I sat the the day before or the couple of days before on the upper set all day long. And you ended up moving in and they were gone. And I'm like, oh man, I'm a piece of shit. I should, I fucking- no. I, fucked it, I fucked this up for them. They moved out. They snuck out, and I I didn't watch them. So it was kind of a wasted afternoon. Well, I I went in on the two bucks, the upper ones. There was a three by three, a, a good three by three, and a little four by four. And if you can imagine, it's a big plateau bald on the left with boulders and a little bit of topography, and on the right is uh, just tr- some some trees. Well, those deer bed, and this is a, a, a I should have known better get tunnel vision i'd seen those deer bed because people saw in the story i had that one big buck bedded at the base of the cliffs and mm-hmm. somebody tried to approach it from the bottom blew him out um those deer before he moved to the cliffs were bedded on those edge of trees i seen him bed on those that's when i called you and said if they keep bedding in the same spot you can get a shot from the cliffs so when i go in i'm expecting them to be bedding in the shade of the trees and I literally, I'm glad I'm looking at the trees and I'm like hyper-focused on these trees looking for antler tips. Probably my head up was exposed when I, when I came over this rise because I take a step glass. Motherfuckers are in the wide open on the <laughs> 50 yards to the left of the trees feeding. And one of them saw my head. And with a compound, it's different. I could have, you know, 70-yard shot, but you know, I got the stick. So at this point now, I'm like, Let's just hope they stop feeding, start feeding again. And uh, they did not. They they walked off and went up, you know, way up into the, the, the higher country above me. So I texted you and said, I fucked that up, dude. They're, they're gone. Um, I worked into those, that strip of trees and was there basically the whole day. Nothing ended up being in there, um, which is just one of those things. I mean, shit happens. But what we did figure out is those bucks had an escape route down in elevation uh, in a chute that, you watched them or we watched them, you watched them go into the next two days. Um, and in the afternoon I would sit above that shoot for two days in a row and, and wait. Um, I had that forky and a doe come out two times, which that forky about lost his life twice sitting there for four hours waiting for him to come out. That forky was begging for an arrow, but no, nothing big ever came out of those shoots. They were smart. They probably came out in the dark. Yeah. It was kind of cool to watch that, that bigger buck, um, move into that, that bedding area because it was like all of a sudden you know they're eating they're grazing um not moving very much and all of a sudden something clicks in his head and he just like fast walks it straight to his bedding area and you know there was there's kind of a a popular it's kind of a close to that area is a popular uh waterfall that a lot of people like to hike to and and hike out to so maybe he kind of figured this i don't know maybe this is what i'm thinking but maybe he uh figured this is when uh high traffic may come in for hikers and stuff and move into his bedding area at a certain time and that's what he did so we ended up yeah figuring out where that where he was heading to but where he was bedding was in some gnarly uh shoots and cliffs and stuff so i don't think we were, you were ever, ever able to uh quite locate where he was bedding no um, and i didn't want to the wind is a little iffy when uh you get into that portion so i tried to stay on that 
kind of there's kind of a rim cliff that I tried to stay above that to see if they'd come out and uh just the does and that that forky came out that was it um and then um trying to think the next day I circled around that backside um and I, I had a few more opportunities at smaller bucks I had one in the cliffs that was like 34 you know yards or whatever and then Frank you ended up getting out of there um and I actually put um, Omni's kid on one buck the day before I had to get out of there. Uh, he got he closed the distance to 78, I think, and he took a shot. He, he missed. It was a, a pretty crazy stock. Um, and then uh, we had spotted the second to last day. We had spotted the uh, all of us had spotted this the one buck left in the basin that was that was worth a shit. Um, and it wasn't in a great position to to put a stock on. So the next day, um, I had uh, was glassing uh, basically this dance floor area that what we call. And uh, I saw two three points or two forks go in there. I can't remember. Oh, it was forkies because I remember the three points got out of there and the forky I got to, and I just couldn't talk myself into shooting it. I'd have to listen to Deplan call me a horrible hunter. I can't handle that. <laughs> um, so internet critic. Yeah, and then. Uh, I, so I went down to talk to um, Wes and, and Omni, and Omni uh, took off after that that buck, and he ended up killing it in the cliffs um, way back in that back basin, which really the last day took up my whole, you know, when I say took up, I was obviously, Omni had hit the buck, and we were watching it, and we went down, packed it out. Um, I say we packed it out. The llamas were with us, so there wasn't a lot of packing, but I went down, helped cut it up and whatever, and got out of there. And then the next morning, um, well, that evening, um, I had circled around, I had a doe come in front of me, but then the next morning I was getting out of there, I did a loop and I had two, three points in those lower cliffs come below me. Um, and that was it. I, I came out and then, uh, our, our buddies came in and picked me up on the horses and loaded up me and Frank's crap and headed out. That was the, that was it. That's what, that's what happened. So I, I would say one, um, and I'm going to do a podcast on the, the stick bow uh chronicles um i want to make sure people by by no stretch i am not saying that if you're back there that you shouldn't you shoot what makes you happy and if anybody says different to tell them to fuck off like for me i get to hunt a lot i get a lot of depredation tags and things like that so if if it was one of the only hunts i got to go on i certainly would have shot one of the other deer that was in front of me um i just i get to hunt a lot and the, the, the population back there isn't great and so trying to shoot older mature deer is kind of the goal um, but I had a lot of messages about that because I was talking about passing up animals. I am not telling anyone to pass up animals. You shoot what makes you happy, and anybody that gives you shit about that, they can suck it. It's your tag. You do what you want with it. Um, just in my case with, with that, um, I get to shoot a lot of other animals, so it's certainly not a case of getting something on the ground because so, I need the meat, um, and it, that's just a decision on my end. Other places, believe me, I am not passing anything up, um, but just back there, it's a little bit different. And then, two, the the ethics of hunting like i i personally thought and if you guys listen to this i'm sorry it was odd that those guys came in we'd been back there seven or eight days and didn't take over they're super nice guys but i was surprised he went after that that deer um you know but it's public land i mean it is what it is um you know i'm not i'm not pissed i'm not mad but being back there um you know i he had i had thought he had said he didn't want to shoot that deer it wasn't big enough and so I was surprised when he went after it, um, you know, for, for sure. But I mean, it is, it is what it is. He got the buck. I'm happy for him. But 
you know, when you're back there seven or eight days, um, you know, hunting the one spot, it, it is a, um, I'd say awkward situation when people come in because it is public. You can do whatever you want. I mean, I could walk through there and blow all the deer out. Nobody can do shit about it. It's just, it is what it is. It's an awkward deal. Yeah, it is a kind of a slippery slope, so to speak. Um, yeah, we definitely become attached to our hunting areas, and especially if you've been hunting back in that specific spot for several days, it is kind of a bummer when someone else moves in and kind of steps on your toes, so to speak. But um, <clears throat> yeah, about the uh, passing up of animals and shooting what you like, I think that there's just so much division in the world or in the country as is right now, I think it's definitely got to got to put an end to the hunt shaming um there's so many different ways it's being done nowadays whether it's someone shoots something that you don't think's big enough or somebody that trophy hunts and you don't think they should trophy hunt or somebody hunts with a a gun or somebody hunts with a, a bow like you know there's so much shaming that goes on if you don't agree with it who cares man i mean um that's yeah, the thing like, about where that's did the, the thing internet about, hurt you today? <laughs> that's oh, the thing Jesus. about the internet. Everybody's got everybody's got an opinion nowadays, and um, if if if, uh, if someone doesn't agree with you, they're going to let you know. But who cares? I think you should definitely do what makes you happy and and have fun. I think in the end end of the day, um, hunting is about filling your tags. And if you want to fill your tag on a monster and and go after a monster, then do it. And if you want to fill your tag with a, a a doe or a four corn and fill the freezer, then by all means do it. Who cares? Um, I mean, really, at the end of the day. Also, I will say, nobody cares about your teaser photos either. So, yeah, they suck. I'm <laughs> fucking tired of those. But uh, no, I like you, doing the you, uh, furry dick teaser pics. Though those are those are fun. <laughs> um, uh, don't put your hand on the twig and berries, though, people. Yeah, you know, just take just take the picture. You're going too far there. Yeah, but <laughs> yeah. I don't want to see like the G3, right? Like, or an eye guard. Just yeah, show me the fucking. At hand the end man. of the day, nobody cares about the teaser pics. But yeah, make do what makes you happy, man. I I don't know. Um, yeah, I've thought about that quite a bit. Um, you know, some of my funnest hunts or most memorable hunts are like, say, with my my dad every year, and man, dude will shoot a fucking spike yeah. buck and be just as happy as if he shot a freaking a giant buck. So, um, you know, that's at least that's the way I was raised, uh, and I think there's a lot of pressure that people put on themselves and and let other people put pressure on them um, to to do something spectacular, which uh, you know, it's it's pretty rare for somebody to kill a monster and when you do it's awesome and yeah. it's something you'll remember but a lot of times some of these memorable hunts i mean i didn't kill a giant this year it was a really nice buck but i thought it was awesome to be able to hunt with aaron and um yeah we teamed up and we got a lot done but uh yeah i don't know i think we should there's so much division why why add it into something that you love hunting yeah. so well and again <laughs> like i'm not going to mention names but when you profess that you hate the internet, but you can't get off of it because you're on there talking shit about everybody. <laughs> yeah. Like I got a message, um, our buddy Rivers, um, super cool kid, uh, hit a hit a bull high. I get it's alive. He hit it high, so I'm sure he hit one lung. And immediately get a message, uh, you know, he was hunched over for a photo holding his head and get a message about that and whatever. And it's like, you know, Rivers could be wearing, you know, playing fucking Nintendo, right? The kid gets after it. He's a great kid. Mm -hmm. uh, of course, somebody's talking shit about it. And it's like, you know what, you fat fuck? Why don't you get out there? You put a bow in your hand, not a gun. And you get out there and you get it done on fucking public land, dickhead. Um, you know, just there's, again, there's so much division. And the only reason why I brought this up is I had a few messages about, um, I, you know, am I turning into a trophy hunter, which I am definitely not. It's just that area. I try to shoot older bucks. And two, 
should I not be shooting, you know, should, should I try to focus on, you know, four or five year old deer? And I'm like, one, with a recurve, you shoot, especially you shoot whatever comes in front of you, makes you happy. But yeah, don't, don't worry about people fucking with you on the internet. Just shoot what makes you happy and don't, don't stress over it again back there for me. It's just one of those deals. I get to hunt a lot of other areas, so I don't, I don't stress about it. Um, I do look back on a couple of the deer. I probably, with a wide angle, we could have made it look four years old in 160, <laughs> but, um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it was, it was a fun hunt and, uh, it was a physically, uh, an ass kicker too. That was a lot of, a lot of miles on the ground. Running out of food the last two days kind of sucked too. And re-dipping. Oh man, re-dip. re-dipping is gnarly. Yeah. So. Especially with that snuff. Yeah. <laughs> but either way, everybody, I hope, uh, everybody's season's going well. We got to hit, get to a company meeting here, but, uh, yeah, it was a great hunt. Frank, congrats on the, on the deer. That was awesome. It was cool yeah, to watch. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for your help. Yeah. It was fun. And, um, yeah, don't camp in the basin and don't run ridgelines. <laughs> don't, 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 don't silhouette yourself. Never pull out. Yeah. So, all right, everybody take it easy. Yeah.